Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. Hey everybody, it's me, it's not somebody else. So my husband was poking fun at me a little bit. He says, I start my podcasts off saying, hey guys, it's Emily. Hey guys. Hope you're having a great day. I guess I say the same thing, you guys, but (laughs) so I decided to say, hola, mi gente. That's what he says in his videos. So anyway, but hello, my Spanish people. I love you so much. I am so thankful for you guys as well. Everybody that listens, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today. Today, I'm talking about the third line of my action model and it's the person that we become and so if you haven't done it you can go back and listen or you can start here that's fine so my action model i explained in podcast 56 and kind of got i had a brief overview of it and then in 57 i explained the first line which is the pleasure and pain index. So what we want to do there is we want to start off with kind of a goal in mind and to get the reasons why. Why do you want to accomplish this goal? What, you know, what are the things that you have to do is the second line. So the pleasure and pain index makes the things you have to do way more doable when you have a concrete why. If you have that pleasure, all the, those good, good, strong reasons carrying you through, then you can do the little things. And so the second line is the practice. What are you practicing every day to accomplish that goal? What are your habits? What are your rituals? And then that, in turn, literally forms the people that we are. It forms the person we are. So we know this now. We know that what we continually practice will literally form the person we are. Now, what if we started here on the action model? Let's start with the person. Instead of saying this is the final line, let's make it the first step. And I think that if you did make this the first step, and maybe I I can go back and change my mind, right? I can make this the first step and not just the end result. It's not just something we end up with, but when we truly make this person line, what person do we want to be? Who do we want to become? That vision, our first step in our action or our goal-making process, it really can make all the difference. I did an identity podcast. Um, I don't even know what number it is, you guys, but go back, listen to the identity podcast because I go in depth about what that can do for you and why. You know, there's been so many studies why addicts continually go back to their addictions. Why do addicts relapse? Why? And it goes to the identity. Their identity, who they believe they are, is ingrained in them so much so that they continue the habit. They're an addict. I am an alcoholic, I am a smoker, I always have been, or I've been a smoker since I'm 17. It's just who I am. And so that has to change before the habits can change. Uh, There's many studies on that, but truly, if you think about it, 
and in anybody, and in anybody, you know, our habits really are part of us, our subconscious. And that's what I talked about previously, that we don't even know what we're doing. It's just so habitual because of who we are, our motives, our actions, our habits. They're all based upon who we believe we are. Now, in the Identity Podcast, I share a story about a scorpion and a frog. I will try to recap it quickly. So what happened was there was a flood. And there was this big river or creek that formed um, alongside the scorpion's home. And his home now was on the other side of this river. He could not cross. And he saw the frog, this nice, caring frog, was transporting little creatures from one bank to the next. And he said, hey, frog, can I get a ride? Can I hitch a ride over there? My home's over there. And the frog's like, um, I can't do that. You're a scorpion. You're, you're going to sting me. I just know you will. No, the scorpion said. No, I promise you, I will not. I'll be so grateful if you can do this for me. And so the frog finally relented and said, okay, I'll carry you across this river. So they start along their journey. The frog is happy because the scorpion is not stinging him. He's living up to his word. They get almost to the other side of the bank. And just as he's about to drop him off on the other side, he's getting off of his back. The scorpion stings him right in the head. The frog is flabbergasted. He's like, what did you just do? You promised. And the scorpion said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me, but I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. I just sting. I sting everything that I'm on. It's, it's who I am. It's in my DNA. And then the frog died from the sting. So what does that story mean <laughs> in this aspect? Who we believe we are is so strong within us that it is what we practice. It is what we believe we are is how we're going to perform in life, right? It's going to be the habits that we create in our life. It's going to be those action steps without us even really knowing it. Now, the interesting thing is most of the time, who we believe we are was decided when we were much younger or based off of what someone told us or based off just a couple of experiences. So let me give you an example for each one. So who we believe we are was decided when we were much younger. Here's the example. When I was a lot younger, I was involved in so many activities. And I was super duper competitive in all of those activities. So now I could say, well, I'm a really competitive person. I do this and this and this. But I'm no longer 17 doing 10 different things at one time. And I'm really not as competitive as I once was. Okay, so you kind of understand what I'm going <laughs> with here. The other example is maybe when you were young, you could just never clean your room. You were too busy. You just never clean your room. And you just thought, man, I'm just kind of a messy person. I just can't ever get to cleaning my room. So you call yourself kind of a slob. You're a slob, <laughs> right? That's what I was when I was younger. So you decide that's who you are now. Number two example, example of what someone said or somebody told you one time. So a long, long time ago, 
I remember my niece telling me this. She told me that one time somebody came up to her and said that she didn't sing as well as her sister sung. This shattered her. And guess what? She stopped singing. She believed that she couldn't sing, even though she had a really great voice. Okay, so that's an example of what some stupid comment somebody could tell you or somebody who's purposefully abusing you, verbally abusing you, and you decide to believe it. You know, things like that. Then number three, an example of experiences. So you've had a couple of experiences and you believe you're this type of person. I'll give you an example that I hear of a lot. Well, I had this boyfriend who left me, who cheated on me, right? Then they had another boyfriend. Same thing happened. So because of those experiences, I can no longer trust men. Okay, do you see where I'm going with with this? So you've had a couple of experiences who've formed who you believe you are. Now for that to truly be true, that you cannot trust men, of course your trust is shattered. I don't want to trivialize it. But what I'm saying is you would need a billion experiences for you to have, you know, that empirical scientific type value where your theory is actually true, right? Where it's not just a hypothesis. But human beings don't think that way. We don't think fact like this is true. I cannot trust people. No, we just look at a couple of experiences. We don't see the broader picture and we decide we can't trust men or whatever your experiences, you know, whatever. There's a myriad of experiences. But what I'm saying is a lot of people base their whole self-concept on just a few experiences. But we can't do that, you guys, because we need way more to make it complete fact. Now, we're coming to the fun part. The fun part is, who are you really? Like, really, who are you? I want you to start questioning everything you believe about yourself. So if most of your identity comes from when you're younger, or comes from what someone said, or comes from just a couple of experiences, we can't really rely on it. We have to question it. Because who are you? versus who you were 20 years ago. And especially, I want you to question all of your can'ts, the things you can't do. I can't trust people. I can't, I'm, you know, I'm not a morning person. I'm big boned. I can't lose these three pounds. I'm an addict. I'm a smoker. I can't go without having my soda every day. I can't, I can't, I can't. I want you to really, really question who you believe you are because you were created in the image of God and not just the image. The scripture keeps going after his own likeness. And I truly believe that that's not just outward appearance. I bet ya. I bet ya there's actually more to it. Okay. So if you are created after God's own likeness, then you are God-like. And with that true identity, I bet you also there's actually not very many can'ts. Okay, there's not many things that you cannot do if you are truly God-like. You're just choosing not to. That's really the truth of it. So 
Fun part continued. Who do you want to be? What do you want to be? Do you want to be a patient person? A forgiving person? An artist? A creative? A clean person? Tidy person? A workable person? You get to choose what you want. So the great part of starting here at this person line is you're choosing the end result. You are starting with your vision. You're starting with what you want to focus on. And then you can go back and you can weigh the scales out, you know, with the pleasure and pain index to see if it's something you truly have enough weight, enough reasons to be sustainable in your goal. And then after that, you go to the practice. You want to know what rituals, what practice habits you're going to implement. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example from this broad perspective. I'll tell you one thing that I want to have more of or be more of. I want to have the attitude and focus of Nephi. So if you are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I please urge you to continue listening. What we have in the church is a program called Come Follow Me, where our families and individuals and at church We learn about specific parts of the scriptures. Last year, we did the whole New Testament. This year, we are doing the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is a record of the ancient inhabitants of the American people. But it did start over in the Jerusalem area with a family. The father's name was Lehi, and he was a prophet at that time. And around 600 BC, he prophesied that there was going to be the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened by the Babylonians. And so he wanted to get his family out of there. And so a couple of the sons that he had was Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, Sam. And so they didn't want to leave. They were like, "Um, we don't want to leave our amazing home and our possessions. I think they were kind of a well-to-do family. But they had to go out into the wilderness, believe their father, have some faith, And it's really an interesting story about, especially at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, about the attitude that one son had, Nephi, and the attitude of a couple of the other sons, Laman and Lemuel. You know, they started complaining a lot. Nephi, of course, didn't want to go either, but he had to pray and have faith and ask, are the visions of my father true? I want to know. And so this attitude of Nephi has been really incredible for me to study and see these distinct differences. So what can I do in my life? And I just want to point out a couple of scriptures. I promise you it will be worth it because they're really cool to see the different attitudes. And I've got, I'm I'm not very technological. You, You know, you can have your verses on your phone. I've got my Book of Mormon right here. This is how I study the Book of Mormon in the Bible. I like to flip through so you can hear the page turns. But in 1 Nephi chapter 16, verse 19, they were really, really hungry. And Nephi's bow broke, as well as the other bows. And everybody started getting mad. But I found something interesting in this verse, verse 19. And it came to pass that we did return without food to our families. And being much fatigued because of their journeying, they did suffer much for the want of food. 
So let me point out a couple of things. So this is Nephi speaking, and he uses the pronoun we. It came to pass that we did return without food to our families, being much fatigued. But then he says this other interesting pronoun because of their journeying. They did suffer much for the want of food. They. He did not say we. Interesting. They had been traversing through the wilderness for I don't know how long at this point. Possibly, I know that it was years, but at this point I'm not sure. But they were hungry, and hungry can do something to you, right? And fatigued. But he didn't even list himself as part of the suffering. Hmm. Interesting. It was almost like he had this power within him to not be part of that suffering. It's just something small, you guys, that I saw that I thought, hey, I'm going to share that. I'm going to turn the page. You heard my page flip. But this is another really cool thing. So this describes their exact situation, their exact circumstance, but the different perspectives. So again, I'm going to start with Nephi's, and then I'm going to move over to Laman and Lemuel's perspective. So he talked about we did travel. I'm in 17, verse 1 through 3. We did travel and wait through much affliction in the wilderness, and our women did bear children in the wilderness. And so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us, that while we did live upon raw meat in the wilderness, our women did give plenty of suck for their children, and were strong, yea, even like unto the men. And they began to bear their journeyings without murmurings. And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. And if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. Wow. So sounds like some pretty tough things that especially the women had to bear with bearing their children in the wilderness? I mean, come on. But did you see how he listed all the blessings? They lived on raw meat. They were able to give nourishment to their their babies. They were blessed through all of this. Now I'm going to turn the page and share with you some things that Laman and Lemuel say. Okay, so this is verse 19 through 21. And now it came to pass that I, Nephi, was exceedingly sorrowful because of the hardness of their hearts. And now when they saw that I began to be sorrowful, they were glad in their hearts, insomuch that they did rejoice over me, saying, We knew that ye could not construct a ship, for we knew that ye were lacking in judgment. Wherefore, thou canst not accomplish so great a work. And thou art like unto our father, led away by the foolish imaginations of his heart. Yea, he hath led us out of the land of Jerusalem, and we have wandered in the wilderness for these many years. And our women have toiled, being big with child. And they have borne children in the wilderness, and suffered all things, save it were death. And it would have been better that they had died before they came out of Jerusalem than to to have suffered these afflictions." Behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions and the land of our inheritance. Yea, and we might have been happy. Wow. 
Are these people experiencing the same experience? Yes. But look at the attitude. Look at what one is focused on and what one isn't. Nephi's focused on his blessings, the things that are working out, the strength that, that he is learning and the women are learning through their trials, how they are growing through the tough times. And Laman and Lemuel were just listing a, a bunch of what would have happened. What would have happened if we would have chosen this other thing? And you can't do things and blaming and being victims and saying it would have been better for them to be dead. Same experience, guys. So if I want to take this attitude and focus that Nephi had, I want to apply it to my life. Now I'm going to go to my pain and pleasure index. Okay, so if I'm going to adjust my attitude, get it laser sharp, get that focus laser sharp, where I don't want the tough things to phase me. I want to be so focused that I can look at the blessings. What pleasure am I going to experience from this? Well, I'm going to have better relationships. I'm going to have a better kind of spiritual core. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to live my life with more peace. I'm going to glory my God more. And then you're going to go, you know, list 10. Then you're going to go to the pain. What pain will this give me? Maybe there will be a little bit of pain at first. It's going to be hard to not cower. It's going to be hard to try to always be the one that's thinking positively and pushing forward and enduring. Okay, so I take that pleasure and pain index. And for me, my pleasure is way higher. And I'm going to list the reasons. And I'm going to make them so compelling. And I'm going to put them by my bed. And then you go to the practice line. So what are the things I'm going to do here? You have to think of daily things. For me, I probably would need to add something in my morning routine, a focus ritual where I say something out loud so that I can put my subconscious into awareness all throughout my day. And maybe this focus session needs to be at lunch and then before I go to bed too, so that I'm, I'm reminded. So things like that, with a goal like this, you know, it's not I'm choosing to become a marathon runner. With that, that's a little bit easier. Now my pleasure pain index for me says, I don't know if that's worth it for me, <laughs> but I know it's worth it for so many people. But then it's easier to do the practice steps, right? The habits, the rituals, you look up the program, everything's on Google, that's the easy part. The part that's hard is coming up with the reasons, the true why of what you want to do, what you want to be. And so with that, I just leave that with you, that we have some awesome examples around us. Look at your mentors in your life, people that you look up to. You can be like them too. Take them and just ask, what do you do? You know, that can give you ideas for your practice portion of it. What do you want to be? It's so exciting that you can be who you want to be. You can uncover who you really are, is really what it is. It's not really about changing, you guys. It's about uncovering who the true self is under there. And I know each one of you is so great and destined for such great things because you are godlike. So with that, I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day. Make it what you want. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at CoachEmilySanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.